You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. Climate change seems to be in the news a lot just lately, as of the start of 2022. But what is God's solution? We've heard lots of suggestions from the governments and the media and the protesters. But what is God's solution? Evidence of worldwide efforts to reverse climate change are contrasted in this episode with the biblical evidence, which demonstrates that the only solution is found in the Old and in the New Testaments of God's Word, the Bible. This is a a subject that's close to my own heart, and I, I think it's important, not just to myself, but to everyone, and most importantly, to our, our younger generation. However, as Mark said in the introduction, we've heard a lot about this. It's been in the news because the UK hosted the, UN, the UN's uh, climate summit or climate conference recently in Glasgow. And um, maybe it's pertinent that we actually have some real weather at the, the real time of the year. And, and we go, this is surprising that it's snowing tonight. When I was younger, that's what it did at this sort of time of the year. So enough of an introduction. I, I think it's important that as Christadelphians, we always emphasise our fundamental belief that we, we treat the, the Bible as God's holy inspired word. That's the claim in 2 Timothy 3. And we, we see there that all scripture is inspired or breathed out by God. And, and it has a number of purposes. It's profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness, so that there's a purpose. The man of God is complete and equipped for whatever comes his way, every good work. So we're going to consider the subject climate change with a view to that fundamental understanding. Now, obviously, if we don't share that understanding, there are, I'm sure, many other talks that have taken place from Forest Road and within the world of Christadelphia that that attest to the the inspired and and trusted word of God. So we won't turn particularly to the scriptures to start with. Um, I've got one slide that I do want to make very clear the bible claims uh, and we believe this that the world was created by god and the claim is that god saw everything that he had made and behold it was very good so again that is a statement that we would treat as a fact as christadelphians god created the world and it was perfect And that sets the scene to consider climate change because the argument that is put forward by scientists and politicians is on the basis that the climate change we are talking about is is a direct reaction of how man has treated God's creation. So the experiences that are 
ongoing in the world today and are likely to become much more serious as time progresses are a result of mankind's uh, activity on the earth that God created. So that sets the scene for the points that I'm now going to make. A little bit more. The Bible then sets out that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So that's what we've already claimed from, from Genesis. The world and those who dwell therein. So, so not just the world, but the inhabitants and all, all of the life on the earth is God's. He founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. So, so we're beginning to talk about ecosystems there, the way the world is established. Then we get a little bit about how the ecosystems function. He covers the heavens with clouds. He prepares for rain, rain for the earth and he makes grass grow on the hills. Uh, and that's a simple way the psalmist describes the water cycle. And that's a fundamental part of life on the earth. He makes the grass grow on the hill. So life comes from the systems that God created to sustain his creation. And even the smallest things on the earth are, are, are of importance to God. Jesus says in Matthew 6, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. Even the smallest parts of, God crea of God's creation attest to his uh, design and also to the power of him as the creator. So the world is a wonderful creation. But a document released by the United Nations in this year, 2021, saw the president of the United Nations, Antonio Gutierrez, describe the current climate change situation as code red for humanity. And there are a few clauses that I'm just going to put on the screen now that, that give some light to the statement that he made. Climate change is intensifying the processes that God has put in place. So the water cycle is becoming more intense. This means that there's more intense rainfall and flooding in some areas. And, and in other areas, the lack of rainfall becomes more intense as well, which leads to droughts and then on to famines. Climate change is affecting rainfall patterns. So the rainfall is changing where it, where it occurs. High latitudes, precipitation is likely to increase, whilst it is projected to decrease over larger parts of the subtropics. So the distribution of water is equally important. Climate change is causing the most obvious of things. So ice is evident in glaciers, in snow, but its absence is equally evident and, and speaks largely to the changes that are ongoing. And probably the most dramatic is in the loss of the Arctic sea ice, but equally important is the, the fact that permafrost is melting, and that in itself 
creates a further problem because that will release methane into the environment, which again fuels the process of climate change. If the distribution of water is changing, 70% of the, the globe is, is water, well, sea levels change. And that's a result in higher sea levels. And the consequence of that is flooding and also greater erosion along the coasts. And a large proportion of the world's population lives in coastal regions. So the impact on mankind is great. You can go to areas of Bangladesh or the island nations in the Pacific, and the impact is evident. If there are changes to the water, well, that affects or affects what lives in that water. The pH of the water, the acidity of the water changes. The oxygen levels change. And, and that effect affects what lives in it, fish, and obviously other things. And it will then impact people who rely on those ecosystems and the animals and, and the life that is in the sea. So all of that becomes increasingly focused where the centers of population exist. Climate change is amplified, greater heat, more flooding, and as a consequence, even more people are affected. That's evident in a number of ways. I, I was reading just before we started, or, or some time before because we were delayed, th th there are certain things that get a lot of attention in the news, but I bet many of you don't know that there were riots in Iran that uh, received governmental uh, clamping down and, and violent uh, sub subjugation this week, purely because of a water shortage. Farmers can't grow anything. That hits them in the economy. But even more importantly, 97% of Iran is subject from or, or subject to drought conditions. And that leads to people moving. That's why population, uh, asylum seekers, refugees, it, it's a big prompt. And that has political impact. Uh, as we well know from current events in the UK. So that led the, the document that is being published here to be labelled as a code red for humanity, a real warning. And that was something that was setting up the situation for, um, for this big climate conference. But the, the way it is manifest, here are some obvious ways. During the summer in Canada, temperatures reached 49.6 degrees centigrade. And we're talking about Canada here, not, not, not something near the equator. And, and the news article that I've linked there records that 569 people lost their lives during that five days. If you more recent facts, so, so more recently, it's increasingly evident that those figures may well be three times as big as that quote here. In Germany, subject to more intense rainfall, numbers of people lost their lives, 170 in what was two weeks of 
incredible rainfall that, that affected Germany and then downstream in Belgium. In Italy, and we could put Greece or we could put Turkey or we could put Australia and, and, and uh, California on that list, firefighters battled more than 500 blazes in, in Italy, in Sicily and southern Italy. And, and that was a result of, again, prolonged drought and intense heat. Not quite as hot as Canada, but still jolly hot. Um, Record-breakingly precedential. And then in America, there was a, a hurricane. Now, America gets hurricanes all the time in, in the hurricane season. But, but the interesting thing about Hurricane Ida was that it, it appeared out of nowhere. One minute, there was nothing, and the next, there was this storm system that rapidly morphed to becoming a hurricane system. And that relates to the warmer water and the, the climatic conditions associated with that. So more intense rainfall, more intense wind led to this storm system, which, if, if you run that into the... the, the drought conditions in California and the fires that raged there, President Biden says, will have cost the United States over $100 billion this year. So there is a human cost, I've alluded to, to Iran. Um, there is an economic cost, again, the farmers in Iran to the insurers across the Western world. And then there's a personal cost to those who have lost their lives and the families who have been affected by it. So this is why climate change is so important and why it is such a newsworthy um, subject. It's relevant to mankind today, but the indication is that this is just the start of things. Things are going to get much more acute as the, the changes in the systems become more intense as the impact of more greenhouse, greenhouse gases in the environment intensify. So how was this climate change conference received? And, and there's this lady who is now, well, she's 18, she's a lady in, in her own right, uh, has become a, a global figure, Greta Thunberg. And I think this is the most prescient quote I've seen. She said, it is not a secret that the climate conference is a failure. It should be obvious that we cannot solve the crisis with the same methods that got us into it in the first place. And what she meant by that was that the politicians who are responsible for the economic global systems that surround us, those same people are then meeting in conference to decide how to solve the problems that they themselves have caused, or, or the systems that have led to these people being in power have caused. And as a consequence, it makes us wonder, as Greta Thunberg said, what the future is for the younger generation. Because just as Boris Johnson is keen to say that he is doing all he can to have a green economy and green agenda, he releases more leases in the North Sea, which will permit uh, further oil and gas exploitation, which, of course, will only lead to more 
carbon emissions and, and greenhouse gas emissions. So in that respect, I, I think Greta Thunberg nailed it. We cannot solve the crisis with the same methods that got us into the crisis in the first place. Now, there's a bit of technical detail, but I think everybody is used to hearing about a threshold of two degrees centigrade of change will bring precedential impacts, but tolerable. One and a half degrees is ideal, given the current circumstances. As the politicians went into their conference, it was highly likely that 2.7 degrees centigrade of warming was going to occur. And yet the conference meandered, it delayed its fin final ending, and they sort of came away with a closing that said, well, we can keep things to one and a half degrees if we do what we have said we will do. And then less than a week later, one of the signatory nations, Indonesia, backtracked on the promises it had made in Glasgow and said, well, we're not going to do this because this is going to impact our economic life. So Greta Thunberg, well, that is proved right. Now, I've quoted from the United Nations uh, document already which has said that it is code red for humanity. There should be a number of documents that they've released, and one of them would have been a mitigation report. This is how man can resolve the problems it is creating. However, it's not been able to publish that on time because of the COVID impact. And therefore, the actions that should have been taken at the conference hadn't even been announced. Now, what I can do, though, is take you to the previous issue of documents that was in 2014 and then the mitigatory actions or statements were as follows in 2014 they said without additional efforts to reduce greenhouse gas emissions emissions growth is expected to pers persist and this is driven by both the number of people who live on the world in, on the globe and the economic activities of those people. So, so growth in, in, in the climatic problems is caused by the population and the economy. At that time in 2014, baseline scenarios suggested that by 2100, some way in the future, 70 years, 80 years, well, changes could be just below five degrees centigrade above pre-industrial levels. Now, I've just talked about what is and isn't acceptable and how they're doing. But what, what the EU commissioner said then was that more knowledge is always good. More action would be better. So essentially, there's a time to stop talking and to start doing when the alarm goes off, many just hit the snooze button, but that doesn't work when it comes to climate. It's, it's time to wake up and bring action to the scale that is necessary. And then she, she waves her own flag of activity by saying it, Europe is preparing an ambitious reduction target for 2030. And her appeal was to even more of other nations. It's time to get serious. That was 2014. And they didn't get serious because the promises they made then 
have tenuously been kept. So there are problems, real problems. And I think it's logical to say that if that was the finding in 2014, that population growth was driving the problem, well, the continued economic activity continues to fuel the problem. There are now nearly one billion more people than there were 10 years ago. As you can see from the figures there, the, the growth of population is exponential. So it stands to reason that there is only limited resource on the earth, and yet exploitation of those resources is going to cause problems. I think we can say that this can hardly come as a surprise, and yet the global political elite are, are firmly shoving their heads in the sand. So what does the future bring? And, and that's important. Is, is this solution? Is the world in man's hands? Does man have the solution? Well, Greta Thunberg's made it abundantly clear that that is not the case. So that is why we're doing a talk tonight about God's solution. And I think that this is really important because these points that I'm going to make now indicate why we as Christadelphians feel it is so important to turn, turn to the gospel, the good news that concerns Jesus Christ and, and the world. So what can we see? Well, let's turn to Luke chapter 21. This is part of what's known as the Olivet Prophecy. And there are some verses there that I want to ask you to look at. So I'm going to turn to verse 25 to start with, which reads, well, 25 and 26. There shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. The powers of heaven shall be shaken. Now, there's some symbology there, but there's also some literal figurative terms. It's quite clear that there are signs in the environment around us, in the atmosphere and, and on the earth. It's quite clear that there is distress in the nations. That is what Antonio Gutierrez was talking about when he says it's code red for humanity. And that is why Greta Thunberg and her youth movement are, are so vociferous. There is perplexity within the nations. The sea and the waves roaring could, could, could allude to um, the, the political way of the world. It, it can also refer to, quite literally, the elements that surround us. We've talked about sea level change and we've talked about greater erosion and flooding. But what's quite clear is that men's hearts will fail them for fear. There are many reasons for that, and, and we can look earlier in the chapter in a minute. But things are changing because they can see what will happen on the earth. The, the pictures of flooding on the screen now are, are only a taster of what is to come. If we look at verse 10 and verse 11, 
Nations shall rise against nation. Well, that's talking about warfare and kingdom against kingdom. There'll be earthquakes in, in many places and famines and pestilences. So I've already talked about famine because there is drought. But there's famine also because there are too many people to feed. Pestilences, we could talk about COVID. These are all things that Jesus says will come to pass before something happens. And that's what we see in verse 27. Then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads. Your redemption draws nigh. Well, that's interesting. So the important word is then. If we can see these things happening, which are going to cause dramatic impacts on the earth, well, then something is going to happen. And here we're told that the Son of Man will come in a cloud with power and great glory. And then it talks about redemption in verse 28. Well, redemption is being bought back, is being purchased. You are being saved from something that is going to occur. And that can be taken on a number of levels. The very simplest level is personal salvation. We know, and the Bible talks about this, it talks that the wages of sin is death. So we understand that disobeying God's command results in our death. That is certain. But the gift of God is eternal life. So there's a promise of future eternal life. So the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, who we understand the Son of Man to be, well, that will herald redemption, salvation, and a period when eternal life will be given. So the important thing in verse 28 is to look up and lift up our heads. So we can see these things happening. We know that God is in control and he is giving us a message that he will send his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, back to this earth to redeem those who look to the Lord God for salvation, but also to redeem the world from its destruction. And we'll talk about that in a minute. So. Before we do that, we can take some assurances from the word of God. I've got two promises on here. Isaiah 45 and verse 18, I think is really important. The Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he that established it, created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord. And there is none else. So that's important. God didn't do this just for fun. God created the world with a specific purpose. He wants it to be inhabited. And he is in charge. There is no one else. And then we have assurance at the time of the flood when God gave Noah a message. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. So the systems and the seasons that God created 
that sustain the world and sustain the creation in it, well, they're not going to change. Man's impact will change it, but God is in control. He has done, he has made this world on purpose, and we can be reassured that he is in charge. So, with that said, what am I talking about when I say that God will redeem the world and the people in it? We're going to look at two references now. Psalm 72 is really important. We often call it a messianic psalm. It's a psalm which is a prophecy about the Lord Jesus Christ and the kingdom to come. The time when the Son of Man shall return and heralds redemption and salvation. Now, this psalm talks about a lot of different qualities. I'm going to pick up uh, verse two. Uh, well, verse one, the king, give the king thy judgment, O God, and thy righteousness unto the king's son. He'll judge thy people with righteousness and thy poor with judgment. The mountain shall bring peace to the people and the little hills by righteousness. So first and foremost, things are going to change. A godly order, a righteous order will be established. The poor will be treated favourably. There will be peace. And again, this will be established by righteousness. He shall judge the poor of the people, save the children of the needy, and at the same time break in pieces the oppressor. They shall fear thee as long as the sun and moon endure throughout all generations. So the natural systems that God created will continue. He shall come down like rain upon the mown grass as showers that water the earth. And there we have an understanding of the water cycle as God created it. Not, not a, a water cycle that has been changed by man's activity, bringing flooding in some areas and drought in others. In his days shall the righteous flourish in abundance of peace so long as the moon endures. It's going to be a global order. He, he'll have dominion from sea to sea, river to, from, from the river and to the ends of the earth. Verse 11. All kings shall fall down before him. All nations shall serve him. He shall deliver the needy when he cries, the poor also, and him that hath no helper. Verse 14. He shall redeem their soul from deceit and violence and precious shall their blood be in his sight. An order that is based on divine laws and judgments and righteousness. Verse 16. There shall be a handful of corn in the earth, upon the top of the mountains. The fruit thereof shall shake like Lebanon, and they of the city shall flourish like grass of the earth. So the world will become fruitful again. Even the top of the mountains will see a harvest that is beneficial. Now, we're talking about Lebanon from the Middle East there. You could say, well, Israel produces lots of fruit and vegetables that I can buy in my Sainsbury's supermarket. But if you look at the detail that sits behind Israel's agriculture, it's only possible because of a ridiculous amount of very, very clever water irrigation. But here we're talking about something that will happen naturally. 
because, as we can see, the rain will come down uh, as showers that water the earth. So that is something that I think gives us a wonderful picture of what God's promise is. It's a promise that changes hugely my outlook of the future compared to the latest climate report from the United Nations. And so we're going to look at the last reference that I'm going to ask you to turn up, which is the, the reference that Mark alluded to, Isaiah chapter 35. Uh, and then I shall do a brief recap. So this chapter talks about this new world order, God's kingdom to come. It talks about the way of the world and it talks about life in that period of time. The wilderness and the sol solitary place shall be glad for them and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it, the excellency of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. Strengthen ye the weak hands and confirm the feeble knees. Say to them that are of a fearful heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with the recompense. He will come and save you. The eyes of the blind shall be opened then, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as a heart, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out, and streams in the desert. The parched ground shall become a pool, the thirsty land springs of water. In the habitation of dragons where each lay shall be grass with reeds and rushes. And a highway shall be there and a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shan't pass over it, but it shall be for those, the wayfaring men. Though fools shall not err therein, no lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast shall go up to thereon. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. The ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. That's a wonderful picture that is at odds with the reality of life today. Justice for all. And at the same time, a world without fear, a world where there is plenty and a world where there is no disease. But this is a world for those who have been redeemed, for those who have been saved by the Lord God. And it's quite clear that Bible's instruction is that we have to change the way we lead our lives. But this is a wonderful picture that it is so different from the future that is predicted within the world's scientific circles today. So we're left with one question. We could say, is the world in man's hands? The world is going exactly the same way that Greta Thunberg is concerned that it will. Man has shown no willingness or desire to tackle the challenges it faces. The other option we have is to turn to the scriptures, the Holy Bible. And as I said right at the beginning of my talk, 
the inspired word of God, because there's a promise of salvation. And that promise is something that the United Nations cannot offer me. And because I understand the veracity and the truth of the scriptures, it's for that reason that I look at the quotation from Mark 16, and I have hope. Whoever believes and is baptised will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. So my only option is to turn to the scriptures and to strive as best as I possibly can to walk according to the instructions that are laid out there so that I can look and hold up my head high, looking for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope that that has given you a clearer understanding, not just of the severity of the issues that face the world today, the hopelessness of looking to politicians to solve those problems, but also the wonderful promise that the Bible has for those who are willing to listen. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at bt f at cdvideo.org. If you enjoyed the episode, then please share it with others. Until next time, may God bless you in your studies and your walk towards God's kingdom. Amen.